everybody. Welcome to Guys 5 Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelicoon. You are listening to episode 18 of The Spin Chagrin, and the category for last week was Ghosts in Weird Places. So Frank, well, what did you come up with for Ghosts in... Actually, no, not what did you come up with. You had a challenge where you had to come up with a ghost i i just saw it on my notes ghost in the desert and a ghost in the jungle where you you claim that you had seen movies with those things so what did you come up with for those two movies yeah easy peasy so <laughs> um the ghost in the jungle is actually the ghost in weird places okay um, that we're going to talk about so we'll we'll get okay. to that one briefly um the ghost in the desert is a movie called devil's backbone texas it's a found footage movie about a kid who's um, trying to like reconcile his father's death with these stories that his dad used to tell about like this land that he owned in this actual place, which is Devil's Backbone, Texas. Um, and supposedly the land is haunted and used to like tell all these stories about like the ghosts and stuff that were out there and it was some Comanche burial ground or something. So, okay, cool yeah i thought of it like 10 minutes after we hung up the phone i was like right there's that's the terrible fucking found footage movie about the ghosts in the desert there's also a movie called the graves um which is one of those i think it's either a bloody disgusting or uh those films after dark if you remember that series they used mm-hmm. to have at walmart yeah I, I think it's one of them but it takes place in the desert but it also sort of takes place in a ghost town, too. So I felt like that was um, cheating a little bit because you said the ghost towns were an unacceptable like place in the desert because it was like an actual place. Yes. Um, but Doesn't Devil's matter. Backbone is just one small house in the middle of the desert. Right. And there's like tumbleweeds and cactus and mesas and shit. So. Right. It's got to be like that like arid, like cracked desert or it's got to be dunes like to be yeah. in a desert. So it's 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 a desert. So gotcha. I went okay <laughs> and then like i said the, the right. spin sugar movie itself is actually in the desert so okay so you fulfilled it here all right so what is it um well we got to get to that because <laughs> you, you got takes on a on journey <clears throat> yeah you gotta you, you gotta go through my my process of like what i had to go through to get to uh, this point um did you get like 18 movies that you watched before you found this well i watched a few <laughs> um so the first the first thing i thought was actually going to be kind of cheating and I was going to try and play it that they're like mini movies, but they're really just TV episodes, more or less. But um, M.R. James, the British uh, ghost yeah. story author, mm-hmm. in the late 60s and 70s, the BBC did a series of um, short films based on his stories. And most of his shit takes place in some kind of weird place to find a ghost, like it's on the beach or it's in a tree or... It's in like an old painting or whatever. So I actually watched um, The Ash Tree, Lonely Hearts, um, Whistle and I'll Come My Lad, and The Mezzotint, which are four of these short BBC films. Okay. Um, only one of which I had seen before, which is The Whistle and I'll Come My Lad. Um, they're all good for what they are for the time period. Um, they capture the feeling of the M.R. James stories, who, and again, one of my favorite um, short story like ghost short story writers um i think if if you don't if if you like reading and you don't want to spend like a huge amount of time on like one story um picking up a volume of mr james you can get them for really cheap usually for like a collected edition and um you know like 10 15 minutes to read through what are typically pretty well written stories um considering they're like kind of victorian era like ghost stories they're um they're worth reading if you're interested um i'll whistle and i'll come my lad is my favorite of his stories but lonely hearts is really good um and they're all really dark kind of for the time period like they're very dour in the sense Mm -hmm. that it's usually there's not like some kind of like victory had by the protagonists it usually ends in some sort of like tragedy um or at least like a partial tragedy so if you're into like the more grim um you know whatever like darker stories and you don't mind reading the older style um mr james is is where it's at nice but these were good the adaptations i mean they're 1970s you know british television so 
you got to kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit when you're watching them because stuff's not really going to look like you know the special effects aren't like fantastic or anything but they're serviceable and they tell the stories really well mm-hmm. i think um they're very loyal uh tellings of of his short stories and again they're all four of their short stories are really good um uh whistle and i'll come my lad and lonely hearts particularly uh stand out out of those um so i was gonna do this whole thing about oh it's the beach and oh it's a tree uh-huh. um but i was reading an article about this company called the a g f a which is the american genre film archive um they're a company that actually i found out works with arrow the streaming service and what they do is they find genre films that have been kind of lost to time or were considered to be destroyed or um whatever and they restore them and in some cases they completely um like edit or score a movie um so in particular there's this movie from 1990 that was filmed by james bryant james bryant is a b-movie director um from the 70s and 80s uh, probably most famous for lady street fighter and don't go into the woods are like his two um his two movies and we'll talk a little bit about those two movies after this but in 1990 he filmed this movie completely on vhs with um some people that he knew uh called jungle trap okay filmed all the footage for it but never edited it never scored it and basically it was lost to time so 26 years later um bleeding cool i can't yeah i think it is bleeding cool um finds the you know the unedited footage for this movie and basically edits it edits it edit it's edit edits it together edits it together um (laughs) cleans up the transfer and creates a Casio keyboard score for it. Okay. <clears throat> and it just finally got released um, for public consumption um, through the uh, AGFA. And um, it's actually streaming on Prime, which was a weird surprise. So I don't know like why it's on Prime, hmm. um, but I got it with Prime. So... I really knew nothing about this movie. Like I know this director slightly because I've seen I don't know, three or four of his movies. Um, in particular, the two that I mentioned, Lady Street Fighter and Don't Go Into the Woods. Um, I've read the article about like, you know, the care that was taken with this transfer and how they worked with one of the surviving people that was in the movie to kind of help like, give it some authenticity and sort of like make sure the score was kind of authentic to what they would have done. Um so the premise of the movie is that there's these uh archaeologists i guess they are or um anyway this group of people who's into like examining like old cultures and stuff um so they it's a husband and wife who are estranged from each other because the husband is openly fucking this younger asian assistant of his um the wife is like this renowned um paleontologist archaeologist i can't remember exactly what they are and they work for this woman who kind of funds their expeditions so you find out that in a previous expedition to investigate the maasai warrior tribe in the amazon i think is where they are um one of their uh, compatriots was actually killed and beheaded but now they have new evidence that leads them to the idol of the Maasai. So they want to go there and they want to like complete this, this quest or whatever in the honor of this dead woman. So they assemble their team and it's the husband and wife. And then the girlfriend are going, and then there's some other people that are going along with them. Some other of the like, whatever archeology span team. And they go into the jungle Okay, so real quick, is this contemporary to 1990 or is it set in a different time period? Like, oh, it doesn't matter, man. Okay, okay. Um, I guess, I mean, they're kind of dressed like they're from the 90s, so okay, I guess it feels like. And I'm once I tell you about the plot, then I'm going to go back and tell you about the actual movie (laughs) because okay, so they go to the jungle and they find this hotel in the jungle 
And the hotel is staffed by like a doorman and a concierge and a, a maid or whatever. But here's the twist is that it's all an illusion because they're actually the ghosts of the Maasai who are luring these people, hence the trap in the jungle, so they can kill them. And what they do is they chop off their heads and they shrink their heads down. Um, so basically everybody dies. Um, the husband and wife are kind of like, hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't have cheated on you. Maybe I shouldn't have been such a bitch. Mm-hmm. Then it turns out that the Asian lady knew all of this all along and was luring them there so she could take the fortune and glory and basically have them all die. Um, so then she dies, obviously. Um, and then they get away in the end. Not a very good movie yeah. in terms of like the story or anything, right. but it's they're ghosts and they are in the jungle. Um, even if the jungle is uh, Los Angeles and everything's on a set, mm-hmm. um, it's technically set in the jungle. So and it, it counts. Mm-hmm. So this movie reminded me a lot of Tales of the Quad Dead Zone, okay. which is a movie that we've previously discussed. One of our friend Ryan's um, favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. in the sense that they're Look, you'll read reviews of this movie. Don't let them fool you. Like, everyone's like, oh, you know, a hidden gem, you know, lost to the ages, but lovingly restored. Like, this movie's garbage. Right. It's 100%. Like, you can, it it looks like, to give some context to people that might not be, like, exactly our age, when we were younger, one of the things that you could do for a group project is you can make a video when you were in school. Mm -hmm. And so all of us, at some point or other, made videos Mm-hmm. that we thought were like hilarious or like super well done or whatever and you watch them later and you just see like the most amateurish like you know bad decisions like the sound is cut out in places like things are obscured because like nobody understands framing and angles or whatever that's what this movie is and right, right, but, are... but, my, but mine was hilarious <laughs> right You're, whatever i i've never thought that was funny but i'm just kidding it's fine <laughs> you were like whatever 14 um chris made a video about these shoes called fly jobs let's uh mean let's uh yeah right yep um if you want to hear the fly job story go listen to an episode of the best 30 minutes that never aired i guess or something <laughs> Maybe. um so really poorly filmed you can tell it's all shot on like camcorder basically uh the acting is out of this world bad there's only one i think there's only one actor in the whole movie that has like any other credits and that's um the woman that co-wrote it uh renee Harmon, um who was in a few of uh this brian guy's movies um but even she's like just wooden and completely like out of sync with what anybody else is saying um there's a scene where they're flying in an airplane and it's literally three people standing in a closet with a man holding like a go-kart steering wheel that's not attached to anything and like noises in the background and that's them flying like into the jungle um just absolutely like amateur production yeah but on the other side of that for as low as the production is the gore effects are surprisingly I don't want to give it too high a praise. Like you can tell that a lot of thought was put into how they could have no money and still show like beheadings and bloody corpses and stuff like that. So there's some effort put forth there. Um, the plot itself makes no sense. Um, but in the end, you know, it's one of those things where like, can you recommend? this movie to anyone like no like there's no way that you could tell anybody like hey you need to watch jungle trap so there's not there's not even anything like it's so bad it's funny like eh, it's almost too earnest for that okay like they're really not trying to make a too bad it's funny movie like they're legitimately trying to make a movie well, you can make just, it too bad it's funny movie or it could just be so bad that it ends up being funny and you're laughing at it as opposed mm-hmm. to with it it's not even that it never made me laugh okay 
Um, it mostly kind of just made me a little sad. And <laughs> gotcha. And then I was sitting there thinking, like, I know, like, I've seen a few of this dude's movies. I don't remember him being terrible. So, anyway, there's certain people like Orion, and honestly, like myself, mm-hmm. that can appreciate just i guess the intent behind the movie Mm -hmm. so like i really appreciate and you know i mean like you felt the same way kind of think about quad did zone yeah i i fully appreciate that this man was really trying to do something like Mm -hmm. and these people are legitimately seem to be invested in the idea of doing what this man wants him wants them to do in order to make a movie they just all fail at it like miserably i mean like the ghosts will be like imagine like I don't know. Like Scooby Doo Don Knotts is standing there, like going like, "Hey, I'm here to take your bags," and then all of a sudden, there's a really racist depiction of like an Aboriginal, yeah, Amazonian person is like standing there in his place, and that's like the ghost. Ooh. Um, which also looks very Scooby Dooish. Like I said, as I look at a couple of screenshots of this movie, like, yeah. So. It's not something where you're really going to take anything out of it, except for, I think there's something cool about seeing like a labor of love in the terms of somebody who just wanted, had these ideas and just wanted to get them out there and wanted to make this movie. And it really, it's, it's, it's the last movie he makes. Um, and then wasn't released for 26 years. So it's actually like, I think really awesome that this company took the time to like restore this movie and, mm-hmm release it for public consumption but it's not something that unless you're a super hardcore like devotee of seeing as many genre films as you can like i don't know that there's a reason to watch it um yeah so i actually bought it on dvd after i saw it uh just to support the um the ag agfa because mm-hmm. um, it was only like 18 dollars or something like that and whatever i mean like I think they're doing good work. I think it's really cool that they're finding these movies and restoring them. So I'm willing to throw them a little bit of money. And the cover art's pretty cool. So it'll just sit on my shelf with everything else. Um, So yeah, so it wasn't like it made me angry. I wasn't sitting there. I wasn't. I mean, I really wanted to turn it off a few times because it was not something that I was necessarily enjoying. But at the same time, I was kind of enjoying it a little bit. Like I was kind of like, oh, well, that's. You know, I see like where that idea is and like maybe that would be like kind of a cool idea if mm-hmm. it was done a little differently. Um so yeah. So jungle trap. Yeah. Ghosts in the jungle. You got me. Yeah. Sounds like you got yourself too. Eh, you know, I'm always kind of getting myself in these <laughs> situations. Right. Um, so James Bryan is an interesting dude because he made a number of films that um, I don't know if you could call them good, but they're definitely there's some stuff that's sort of well known, I guess. Um, in particular, um, Lady Street Fighter and Don't Go Into the Woods. Um, Don't Go Into the Woods is one of the weirder slasher movies that you'll ever see because you'll almost you never like until the end of the movie, really, you don't see the killer there's just these random people that are in the woods that are getting killed except for this one group of four people where the dude is like the main dude is this um like know-it-all hiker like expert hiker that's bringing his three like neophyte hiker friends into the woods with him Mm -hmm. um and one of his opening lines is there's some rules about being in the woods and it's something this and something this and it's don't go in the woods alone and dum 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 um but all these people die it's like here's a ornithologist he gets killed his arm gets ripped off and then here's a couple that just got married in their vw van they get killed right then oh here's this woman that's painting the scenery she gets killed like all these people are just dying the cops don't particularly care that all these people are missing because it's just a lot of work and they shouldn't have been in the woods in the first place and this killer that you just never see who's end up being like fucking ridiculous when you finally do see him mm-hmm. but it's one of those movies where i mean i i saw it when i was young um and it's one that i've seen 
maybe once in its entirety since then just because i was like and again this afternoon because i wanted to watch it one more time just kind of familiarize myself right with it again um and then lady street fighter is just this ridiculous movie about this woman who's supposed to be asian but it's clearly just like this white lady it's actually the lady playing the archaeologist from um jungle trap Mm. um coming over to the united states to investigate corruption and help take down like these gangs or whatever it's it's not a very good movie either um but i'll tell you this about don't go into the woods alone is that you can tell what this dude could do when he actually had a camera and a competent moderately competent group of actors and like nobody's great in that movie but you can tell they all at least have some idea that they know how to act, basically. I'm and, looking at screenshots from it. It looks like a real movie. Yeah, it, it really is. And there's some really impressive, because it's all filmed on, like, it looks like the mountainside of, like, some maybe, like, California somewhere. Like, the hills outside of Los Angeles, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the tracking shots, some of the aerial shots some of the shots that he gets where you can tell that like some poor person had to climb up on like this rock outcropping with like a heavy ass camera and actually film like down the rocks and whatever it's honestly pretty impressive and in spite of the fact that the movie really has no plot <clears throat> and takes forever to get anywhere i mean it's it's kind of nice to look at and the cinematography really for this low budget um whatever like piece of shit horror movie is actually pretty pretty impressive so Mm -hmm. i mean he's an interesting dude i think um again i don't know that like i'm trying to see there's really it seems like later in his career as i was just like looking him up um he gets a lot of sound work like throughout his entire life uh as a sound effects editor and he ends up working on like you know things like the dark half and my cousin Vinny like as a sound editor and uh, what was it it was like uh elm street four like you know police academy four um it's like a bunch, bunch of direct-to-video pornography uh, including a tracy lord's movie yeah um from 86 um as morris deal he was going under the name under <laughs> but yes that too um man's gotta eat though but yeah, I mean, like by the by the end of his career, like you know, he he was he was working on you know, real Hollywood stuff, like in some way. Yeah. So again, I would not recommend. I, I if you like slasher movies, don't go into the woods alone. Is maybe like a very minor recommendation, and there, there's some funny stuff in it, you know, that I think would appeal to people that enjoy like low budget horror movies Mm -hmm. um whereas i would say that i do not think that i think that if my description of jungle trap sounds at all appealing then you probably just want to take like the 81 minutes and watch it but otherwise you probably just want to avoid it right so okay sorry i'm i'm on like mdib like um like rabbit hole like now looking people up that have like been in movies with them and stuff like that all right so what's the chagrin chagrin score on this thing it's a five okay i mean it wasn't like i didn't hate it and i didn't even it didn't even like make me angry at all Mm -hmm. um in general i just kind of thought it was again there was things i liked about it in terms of um you know the the intent and the effort um and things i thought were really terrible just in general like every other way mm-hmm. um but yeah like whatever it's just right it's just midland in that respect so yeah hmm. what did you what did you give mutant war do you remember because i don't i don't remember <laughs> you're supposed to record did this you, shit like write it down well, you're supposed to be posting the the yes, little icons I, know, I, I know, made. I know, I know, I know. Right. See, this is why we're never going to be successful because I put all this effort into things, 
and have to actually watch these movies and you can't even like post a picture on the internet so like i drew pictures for every one of the 1970s um every week had it oh i do need to do those oh shit right yeah Yeah, yeah, just completely ignored it like it's like i i spent all this time like doing it like nah fuck it i will do those i will do those but i made these funny little like pictures of my face like reacting in chagrin to things like various stages of chagrin and supposed to go with everyone and yeah that's that's exhausting frank um i mean whatever it's a labor of love right like if fucking but, but, hold on let me ask you this you want to do some hashtags i don't know i'll do it i guess i told you we need to hire a social media manager <laughs> i know <laughs> i know um we'll do that once we like you know get in the, get to a point where we get a patreon and then and then we'll hire a social media listen manager. I'll, I'll i'll say this to anyone that's listening anybody <laughs> that wants to be our social media manager you get in contact with us and you let us know like what you want in payment that isn't money like you know you want me to like <laughs> oh, oh what are you willing to do frank <laughs> give us the rundown <laughs> well i mean i'm not getting paid obviously there's plenty of things that i'm willing to do um i don't know i mean like if you're a fan of the show and you have some experience in that maybe we can work something out i don't know um yeah what's your favorite childhood cartoon Hmm. that's a difficult question define childhood like up to what age up to age 10 like pre-teens i guess it would have to be gi joe hmm let me ask you this. Okay, so, hmm. so I just thought about it. Like when you mentioned Scooby Doo earlier, I was thinking, like, you know, what what is? See, that's that's kind of adult, like GI Joe, to some degree. Like adult, like content and this stuff. There's violence in it and all those kind of things. Like, like what about like you know, like kind of like almost like G rated? Like, was that G rated GI Joe? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody ever got shot. Except for the bats. They would like blow up a plane and then you would see the parachutes come out of the back. And mm. I mean, the cartoon in terms of the, um, uh, what's the fuck it? The, um, the movie, like that was more PG 13 just because it had like death and okay. main okay. characters like being injured. But the cartoon itself, that's a fine answer, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If if I had to give like a more G-rated version, I would probably say the Smurfs. Okay, that's more um, along the lines I was thinking of. Yeah, like it's that kind. I of... I love the Smurfs when I was a yeah. a small child. Um, I was actually kind of obsessed with the idea of the Smurfs just because like I always thought that worlds that existed, um, how do you say it? like underneath the nose of like the normal person, you know, like these small like mushroom houses with these tiny creatures that were like living in the woods i always thought that was a really cool idea Hmm. and always kind of wish that like and i had smurf toys and stuff when i was a kid yeah yeah i did too i had all those like um like hard plastic ones that were like posed and stuff like that Uh yeah i I was um i was honestly like into gi joe though when i was that age like i was playing with gi joe when i was four or five years old maybe before we moved out of baltimore because i lost snake eyes down the storm drain in front of my parents house yeah it makes sense i was i I started playing with them in like i think 87 or 88 so that would make sense yeah like age wise yeah um why'd you ask that question just because you mentioned scooby-doo and it made me wonder like what was actually like your childhood viewing like in terms of cartoons because I don't think I've ever asked you that question before. I mean, we only had—I didn't know that answer. I know you like GI Joe, but I—I I was thinking more along the lines of things like Smurfs, because like Tom and Jerry was like my thing. Which I think you know. But... I enjoyed Tom and Jerry too. We we only had one TV in the house, so my cartoon watching was segregated to 
the time in the afternoon when, when my mom would take her nap. So between four and five o'clock usually. Um, and then Saturday mornings, I was allowed to watch cartoons. Like I could have the TV on a Saturday morning from whenever I decided to get out of bed until, you know, nine o'clock when the cartoons were over. <clears throat> and then we've talked about this on the podcast before that I would watch, um, you know, I would watch uh, the Saturday matinee horror movie and the kung fu movie and then the western later in the day like i watched a lot of tv on saturdays Mm -hmm. um because that was really the only time that i was really able to do it sure so that's how that's part of how you gained all the all the movie knowledge you got right it's the start of it really yeah i mean watching three movies every saturday helped a lot and then usually a movie on sunday so Hmm. from a very early age what was on sundays Usually whatever we rented from the video store. Oh, I mean, okay. that was that was a little later in life, but yeah. Cause we would go to my grandparents on Saturday mornings. Um and that's where I would watch the the horror movie usually was at my grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. Um but then in the on because Friday nights we would go and rent a usually rent I would be able to rent a movie and a video game. Um once I got to a certain age, like probably like eighty six, eighty seven. Um, so I would watch my movie on Saturday, on Sunday mornings when my parents were doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they would go to the grocery store and I would stay home or um, I would just be allowed to like, whatever, like take up the TV for a couple hours. Your parents, um, I'm just going to start interviewing you. Did your parents mm-hmm. go to the grocery store weekly? <laughs> yeah, once a yeah. week. Once a week. Did they always go together or? Mm, yeah. My mom didn't drive until i was older Hmm. 13 or 14 i think is when she got her license Hmm. um so my dad always had to go gotcha on the grocery store trips and my mom wouldn't let my dad go by himself because my mom did all the cooking so she had to be the one to go so she could pick out the food she didn't trust your dad no no he would he would buy like ridiculous stuff that she wouldn't want to eat um it wasn't even the right thing. It was like just he just buy shit that he wanted. Yeah. So <laughs> now, now my dad goes to Costco on his own, and he's the one that like does all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially because my mom just had surgery, so she hasn't been going anywhere really. Mm-hmm. Um, especially not to like a grocery store where she's having to walk for a long period of time. So my dad will go and will buy like sixteen packets of like hot and spicy instant ramen. <laughs> but not like the thing that my mom wanted him to bring back and so she went, oh my god he came home and he had all this shit that nobody wants to eat except for him but nothing that i wanted so that's what i get to hear right right but it's funny because like he's the one going to the store now so in his opinion it's like fuck it he gets to be the one to make the decision of what, what he's gonna eat <laughs> so when your mom started driving did they ever not go together and she started going no no they always went together my mom's um, extent of driving was basically, so you know, in context where my parents lived to Bayview Elementary. Yes. My mom worked at Bayview Elementary for mm-hmm. 20 years. Mm-hmm. So her driving was from their house to the elementary school, which mm-hmm. was two miles, maybe. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the one time that she ventured out, she drove her friends. <sighs> they went to unwind or something so maybe like five or six miles uh-huh. and on the way back she got in a car accident like somebody <laughs> sideswiped her that's and that was the last time i mean she was okay she wasn't hurt or anything but it just like ruined yeah. her experience of driving after that sure yeah so yeah my grandmother um when she first started driving at a young age she um she she actually hit somebody on a bike um when mm. she was like 18 or something like that um 17 or 18 and never drove again a day in her life after that like um so yeah i mean it can be dramatic yes, yes. yeah yeah all right you ready to spin this wheel yeah let's spin it all right oh no 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 wrong button
a movie that's a vehicle for a musical artist a movie that's a vehicle for a musical artist that is your motherfuckers trying to get me to watch i don't know i don't think there was actually a goal in mind there um really nope not at all (laughs) that seems suspect no it's just um I, th- I think those movies tend to be bad, right? I mean, I think that's the yeah. Problem. I just I just thought of like four off the top of my head that I've <laughs> right. never seen. Um, like I think that's just like a like standard kind of like trope, right? Is that like anything that's like a musical artist like having their first like big acting roles like probably gonna be a bad movie. Um. So yeah, that's something different. It'll be enjoyable. Um, because hey, we might be able to get to talk about like a musical artist, and we never, we hardly ever talk about music. So that can be interesting. Kill that. Save list. All right, we are down to forty categories, Frank. From here on out, I don't know how many weeks, because I. I'm a terrible person. Don't keep track of that or post anything ever. So, you want to talk about Batman real quick before we go? Sure. Yeah. Um. So Chris and I both watched the Batman this past weekend, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is now available. On that thing, yeah. Got to put got got to put some respect on his name. Right. <laughs> um. Obviously, released several months ago in theaters, but just recently available on hbo max um not a movie that i was particularly interested in watching when it came out in theaters um even though i heard some decent stuff about it um and you watched the trailer right yes what was your what was your thought based off the trailer um i didn't really think it showed enough to make a good informed decision on whether i wanted to see it like i thought some parts of the trailer looked pretty cool and i thought some parts looked pretty lame mm-hmm. um i don't think that it i don't think it explained why robert pattison looked the way he did as batman whereas in the context of the movie it makes complete sense mm-hmm. it doesn't really make sense in the trailer it's just like why is he got like floppy floppy hair like black eyed emo shit going on here yeah and that that was my thought about all of it was like god what the fuck is this emo batman like watching the trailer i I wasn't a fan of it so so my reaction to this movie was now it's a three hour long movie two hours and 56 minutes or whatever Mm -hmm. it's two hours and 25 minutes of excellent filmmaking and 25 minutes of something i don't particularly care about really right um like i think the ending of this movie is pretty poorly done and i don't want to say it does a disservice to the rest of the movie because i don't think it like lowers my overall feeling that i enjoyed what they did mm-hmm. um i mean i'm sure anyone who's wanted to see batman at the point of seeing it but i just in an in an effort not to like completely right. spoil the movie one of the things that I have a problem with, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, is filmmaking that's way too on point mm-hmm. um, in terms of the tone or the story, or it's just very obviously about something. And there's a point this movie decides it wants to make with almost no movie left in it, where it's just like, hey, I want to kind of talk about, you know, like crazy people on the internet banding together and having crazy conspiracy theories and hurting people right which i suppose is like a direct reaction to the proud boys but i mean there's plenty of other organizations and wackos that you could like look to for inspiration here and it's like this has been none of the movie before that point and there's not even really a good lead-in to like why that happens and it just happens and it's like why waste all this goodwill and good filmmaking for no reason other than to make a point that i mean who knows may not even be relevant you know 10 years from now 15 years from now. like i like films that are timeless and you can 
unless you're making a movie about something right like if the movie is about a specific historical event or person cool like that's fine you know like i want historical accuracy and show me exactly what was happening at that time but if you're making something that's fiction like you should be making something that stands the test of time and i just i feel like 20 years from now hopefully we've evolved as you know a people at that point but i think somebody's gonna sit down and just be like tonally this makes no sense like why this is in this movie it just because it really like if if you don't make the connection in terms of like the whatever modern historical context to it Mm -hmm. it really just feels like the filmmakers trying to pad 30 extra minutes on the movie for no reason sure because you could easily finish i was talking to my friend at work today we were talking about this movie because people have pretty pretty diverse opinions on the movie at work Hmm. and some people really loved it some people thought it was okay there's a couple people that didn't like it at all and i said really watch like i told him what point to watch up to and it's really it's it's the conversation between the two of them you know what i mean like in the prison or whatever and i said you know what just stop it there like you're fine at that point (laughs) right you're not really missing anything and honestly the movie's just as effective up to there and you'll feel better about it like just make up you know your own like denouement or whatever but Mm -hmm. um patterson is fantastic in it Uh, i i still think affleck it's probably my favorite batman of all time just because i think he really captures that dark knight returns batman like the grizzled beaten world weary guy who's seen everything and i really feel like most of the batmans we ever get in film are the younger less experienced batmans Mm -hmm. um so i like that older you know like guy who's been fighting crime for decades and is just kind of worn out but can't is too egotistical and too um principled to like let himself quit basically um i think pattison's great i think all the supporting characters are great um i think paul dano as the riddler is fantastic yes um i think that uh colin farrell as um the penguin is low-key like the star of the movie um yeah just in that performance i think that it's a shame that um john taturo's character is killed off in the movie because another like really great like this perfectly restrained um i don't even know else to say it like just absolutely restrained menace to this character which is really cool um yeah and i i thought it was a andy, great movie andy circus is, is good yeah. as alfred like yeah and surprisingly for yeah. a guy that you kind of think of as just sort of a almost a cgi actor where you never really get sure. to see circus as yeah. like an actual person like to see him um see him in this role and just kind of see him like emote and he does a really good job again i don't think they're oh um what's his name um the Syriana guy talk as uh Gordon. Oh, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright. Oh, um, yeah. excellent. Amazing yeah. performance. Like maybe my favorite Gordon, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really I, I think Gary Oldman's Gordon is the best part of the Nolan mm-hmm. series. Um, but just a, a fantastic performance. Um that's the guy that needs to be James Gordon from now on, basically. <laughs> right um i'm really excited that they got a greenlit sequel um i'm really curious to see what they do with some stuff that's more um like the later like 2000s batman storylines um like hush and the long halloween I'm, i'm hoping they do one of them um and again i think that i think if like you gotta watch the whole movie but i think that if you just sort of think about it as being like a movie and then a coda to that movie that you don't necessarily need to care about the coda to enjoy the movie i think that mm-hmm. it makes it a more enjoyable experience so and the other yeah. thing too you and i both complained about this and it's something i was trying to explain to my mom tonight when i was at dinner i was talking to my parents about the movie because my dad had seen it and my mom hadn't um 
I don't know why DC movies have to completely issue comic book like aesthetics in their filmmaking. Like make it look a little comic book. You know what I mean? Like right. Make this give the city some personality. I mean, to me, this movie is even like worse than the Nolan stuff in the sense that it's just dark and dirty and there's no real personality to it except for this weird like occasional like gothic flourish that doesn't even make sense yeah it just feels like new york city with like you said a gothic flourish yeah yeah it doesn't feel like for as silly as they can be those burton movies you know there's there's personality to that city there's Mm -hmm. a sense of as much as I disliked Batman Returns when we talked about it with Zeke back in December, like there's still something about the way that movie looks and how the sets look that is really captivating. Agreed. Despite whatever I think about the movie. Like, I mean, it's 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 it looks cool. And um even if it is kind of like cartoonish and comic booky, I think it gives it personality. And yeah, there's yeah. no personality like in the setting of this to me. Like which again i don't know that it necessarily that's more just i don't know like personal preference because i don't know that it necessarily takes anything away from the movie it doesn't but i think i think the movie could have been enhanced so much more just by like just give it a little bit of that personality and i feel the same way about the characters it's like i think this might be my favorite batman costume out of all of them mm-hmm. just because it feels reverential but also functional like it doesn't and you know what it is too is that the neck piece isn't like this huge solid piece of like fucking rubber Mm -hmm. just like holding the head in place so when pattison turns his head yes his jaw can like be parallel to his collarbone and he can like look at something without having to like completely rotate his entire like upper torso agreed which always feels robotic and also seems counterproductive for like a crime fighter sure <clears throat> to have to like oh what's going on over here and like just turn your whole body towards like whatever yeah um so anyway uh those are minor minor quibbles i think but they are i mean I'm, i have I'm, the hot, i have the hot take that maybe i think it's hot take probably is that I, I this is my favorite batman not necessarily bruce wayne it's my favorite batman i think like and i oh yeah okay i like i agree with that well, you like Affleck, though, right? I mean, I like I Affleck's entire. I like Affleck as Bruce Wayne and Batman. I gotcha. Think that okay. combination is the best combination. Okay. Whereas I like this Batman the best, mm-hmm. but not Pattison as Bruce Wayne. But also because I think they're trying to do something different with it. So I they are. Mean, they are. I mean, when you watch this movie, like. Wayne doesn't show up quite as much as he does in other movies, like the Nolan movies or the Burden movies or anything like that. Um, I, I definitely think that like Pattison is doing a really good job in the sense of like how he's trying to portray Wayne as this kind of emotionally stifled guy who is kind of like not into the idea of being a human being and is much more into the idea of being batman um i think he does a good job with that i'm not sure if i like the floppy hair and all those kind of things like you know as a signal um of of that personality but i love the batman in this i think the batman in this is maybe is definitely the best batman i've ever seen i love the way that pattison uses his mouth and eyes i think it's the most expressive i've ever seen a batman um on screen before ever yeah and again i think it's because they didn't try and make this ridiculous over armored like i don't even understand that because the the best so and you know just to like pay him some due and i didn't even think about this but neil adams passed away this week mm-hmm. um neil adams in my opinion next him and jim lee are the two best artists that have ever drawn batman and neil adams batman is lithe and acrobatic and muscled but not like overly bulky and his costume just feels functional 
like he doesn't have like these huge armor plates on him or you know i mean it's it's he's basically a dude that needs to move around silently as much as possible because he's a detective and i think that i think the pattison batman really captures that feeling of him being functional and able to investigate crimes and not somebody that's just gonna you know coast in on his like fucking backlighter and get in some huge fight with 100 dudes you know right right like he's got to be able to move and dodge and adapt and whatever and again that's what i love about like the neil adams um batman and i think that i I think this pattison batman really captures that feeling so yeah absolutely um but yeah the entire supporting cast is good i also think matt reeves um who we just talked about not very long ago in terms of let me in um does a really good job directing this movie and i think that's the besides the homicide episode we referenced when we talked about that um i think it's the only thing i've seen him direct i know you're a fan of all those plan of the eight movies um which yes. directed some of those but um i think he does a really excellent job in this of um keeping a lot of things in medium and close up and not actually doing the trope often of doing things in long shot and i think it actually adds a lot of um and it, of course editing ties into this but i think it really do, does a really good job of like keeping you engaged and um uh and and invested in the action of the movie by doing that um and he uses long shots occasionally to good effect um with a couple of exceptions where it's like a little like i don't know emo and hackneyed at times um when he does a long shot but um but most of the time he, when he does long shot it ends up being meaningful as opposed to just kind of this epic movie trope and um there's a car chasing here that happens where he stays almost like car level medium shots close-up shots with an occasional yeah. long shot to orient you to what's happening during the car chase and i think it's one of the best mainstream car chases i've seen in i don't know how long um oh it's pretty amazing i mean it's um it it's incredibly tense and intense and still 100 percent understandable when you're watching it right like you right. never get lost in some kind of quick cut fucking ridiculous like action sequence because it, it stays with to, to your point it stays almost like evil dead style like ground level and following these vehicles you know and only cutting to like inside to get the reactions of the you know the mm-hmm. two characters but um, yeah the the one time like you know he does a shot like he does like one shot towards the end of the chase where it's like um it's like deep focus it's like but it's the first time he does like kind of any kind of deep focus like that but it's like for like basically the climax of the chase where it's like you get a close-up of like one character and like you know the the long shot of like the the other car and it's 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 it's, it's pretty fucking badass yeah it happens fucking amazing yeah yeah um but it's like that's only impactful when you stay in medium and close throughout you know like mostly and it's um yeah i i I really dug the direction in this um i dug the fighting um in it and the way the fighting was filmed um which is very reminiscent of you know the most modern day i guess comparison is probably daredevil um but um kind of keeping it like mostly in like you know one shot as much as possible with some you know cuts to like close-ups or mediums and stuff like that i i really liked let me in seeing him direct that movie i really like the direction and i really like the direction of this movie so um yeah i just wanted to wanted to make sure that he was mentioned because um yeah i thought it was really impressive yeah i mean i would say this movie is 100 percent like a recommendation on my part i think oh yeah your mileage is just going to vary in that last 30 minutes but sure the two and a half hours it takes you to get to that point don't feel like two and a half hours so mm-hmm. and just there's so many like little clever things that happen throughout the course of the movie that i think are it it, it really captures tonally like what a superhero movie should be it's just some of the aesthetics of it i think mm-hmm. um 
but so one of the things and we talked about this the other night is that dc just does not know how to like maintain this universe like this is what you should be building on going forward is like this style like if you know you want to draw people like that are kind of sick of the marvel movies this is the way to do it i think and i think this Mm -hmm. movie's box office proves you know even though it was released towards the end of covid it still was released in you know during you know the pandemic and it made a shitload of money and i think that it just proves that you know people are willing to kind of embrace this darker style it doesn't always have to be the marvel style of you know sure a joke every scene or a joke every other scene or like the big action set piece with the superpowers and stuff but man like you can't just have like six different characters playing or six different actors playing the same character and yeah like no cohesion to your universe because it makes it seem ridiculous and unearned and it's like it's actually how the marvel universe used to be when logan came out if you remember because Mm -hmm. it was like that movie was the anomaly in terms of like the superhero films not the standard and now it's like a bad marvel movie is the anomaly and everything else is at least like watchable to you know in some cases like great sure so but yeah, yeah the batman is definitely worth seeing and absolutely um, agree really really recommended so yeah i mean we talked about the batman movies i can't remember when but we talked about that whole nolan trilogy with Bledsoe, and i was the defender of that trilogy comparatively um you know overall like there's a lot of things i do like about like nolan's movies um having rewatched them but um yeah this is my favorite batman movie since burdens 89 batman like absolutely without a doubt yeah so yeah very enjoyable very worth watching all right well next week we will be back with a movie that is a vehicle for a musical artist um i'd already forgotten (laughs) you're gonna text me in like three days and ask me like what the category is i can like almost predict this I mean, I'm off on Friday this week, so I'm probably going to try and watch this on Thursday night. <clears throat> so we'll see what happens. Right. You're going to watch like five movies. Um, I am. It's going to be amazing. I'm right. really excited. Oh, you know what? That yeah. actually reminds me because it's Tuesday, which means I get to see when the new release movies are. Bust. How, what do you mean? Tuesday's usually when Prime updates the movies that are new to rent. Oh, new to rent. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. usually they usually update on Fridays for like their free, free stuff most of the time. Mm, it depends. Really? Well, it's I mean, most, mostly fr- almost everything's Friday. There's the no time. rhyme or reason to it most of the time. It just comes <clears> out whenever <throat> they feel like putting it up. Yeah, I mean, if if anybody wants like a a cheat, like the way I like know like when things are free and all that kind of stuff is like tv guide has like just google the service that you're looking for the streaming service and google tv guide and schedule for the month that you're looking for like tv guide usually is like on top of everything um if you're looking for something quick of like what's coming to streaming services when for each month um most of them are fridays like i'm trying to think shutter Shutter's really weird because shutter does thursdays and tuesdays i think mondays and thursdays i can't remember it's something really weird where their release schedule um i don't know about arrow yet i haven't quite figured out like what their schedule is but the main ones are mostly fridays but there are weird things like where some things get released on like tuesdays or wednesdays you're right arrow is either sunday or monday with their new stuff yeah because they just put up a bunch of shit yesterday Mm. but it may have been up on sunday because i didn't look at arrow on sunday so i don't know for sure but it was definitely there last night right um yeah so um all right well hopefully you'll find something good on thursday or friday oh i'm gonna watch it all right something (laughs) you'll watch something all right you're gonna watch those um in different movies here soon right like um that looks Eh, i'm indifferent to it that's all right what happens thanks for listening everybody deuces